The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, Kids Fight for Their Future. Meet 15-year-old climate activist, Shutescott Martinez. Taking the future into their own hands, 21 kids just filed a landmark federal lawsuit against the president and the U.S. government, challenging its continued irresponsible policies on fossil fuels. One of these activists is our guest, Shutescott Martinez, an indigenous hip-hop artist, change agent, and youth director of Earth Guardians. Having been an impassioned environmental activist since age six, he has been recognized by the U.S. president, has spoken to the U.N., and rallies youths everywhere as he continues to mobilize his army of teens in 25 countries. And he is doing it with the interrevolutionary spirit of accountability and oneness with people and the earth. Stay tuned to meet this remarkable voice for sanity, responsibility, and social justice. Find out about his movement. Plus, watch A Kid Climate Warrior, our video about Shutescott on Interrevolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. See what this young generation is doing to ensure everyone's future, including our own. And now, here's Beth. Hi there. Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio. Well, I have been looking forward to this day. Uh, I love my guests. I guess you've noticed that. But uh, that's why we invite them. <laughs> to be on the air, <laughs> but I'm so fascinated by this story. Uh, I think it's really critically important, and I hope that if you love this story, that you're going to share the podcast with parents and teachers and other kids so that they know that they, too, can have a voice and have an impact on their future and ours. But before we meet our wonderful guest, we have the news from James. Yes. This is the inner revolution. First up, regarding the refugee crisis in Europe, where millions of refugees have fled war-torn Syria, Iraq, and Libya, Pope Francis and Chancellor Merkel of Germany have taken the lead in providing assistance, according to the Associated Press, September 7, 2015. On Sunday, Pope Francis called on Catholic parishes, covenants, I'm sorry, not covenants, convents, and monasteries across Europe to shelter families of refugees who are fleeing death from war or hunger and to take in at least one family each, which would provide for virtually all of the 120,000 refugees now in Italy. The Pope cited the gospel as calling us to be neighbors to the smallest and most abandoned to give them concrete hope. In a related story, Germany's open-door policy in migrant crisis casts a nation that, that nation in a new light. This is from MSN.com. German Chancellor Angela Merkel has demanded that all European Union countries help. She has flung open the doors of Germany to a massive influx of refugees. The sight of Germans whooping in welcome and thrusting gifts at bedraggled asylum seekers arriving in chartered trains has stood in sharp contrast to the indifference or outright hostility 
directed at them in other European nations, such as Hungary and Denmark. German officials say they are prepared to accept as many as 800,000 asylum seekers this year, a number equal to 1% of the population. This story just brings tears to my eyes. You know, the inner revolution, as I've been talking about it, it's about oneness, accountability, and mutual support. And the story is, I mean, we have a man, the Pope, who feels oneness, who says we have to act on oneness. This is not just a theory. <laughs> this is a reality that we have to act on. You know, a spiritual leader, this is so different from the way the, uh, the Vatican responded during World War II. Uh, when there were so many Jewish refugees who desperately needed help. And uh, speaking of that, I mean, what brings tears to my eyes is the response of the German nation, uh, which we all know, you know, so many years ago. Well, for some of you, this is like ancient history. For us, <laughs> this is like yesterday, World War II, because James and I were both born at the end of the war. And, um, you know, to see... Germany receiving and accepting refugees instead of creating refugees and overcoming racism is tremendous. And we know there's been a huge increase in um, racial um, discord in Europe in the last year, few years, especially with Muslims. So this is very, very promising. And next week, we're going to be interviewing the former ambassador of Hungary, who is uh, now with a think tank in Washington, D.C., and he's very, very intimate with what's going on uh, in Europe, and he is going to give us a completely different perspective on what opening up Europe to these refugees can mean in a positive light. It's a very wonderful story, so that'll be next week. Okay, James. Okay, next up we have America's Journey for Justice from the NAACP.com. In honor of the Civil Rights March of 60 years ago, the NAACP, together with a broad coalition of partners, had been on America's journey for justice since August the 1st, from Selma, Selma Alabama to Washington, D.C., which will culminate on, on September the 16th with a rally there. Led by NAACP President, the Journey for Justice, a historic 860-mile march, has mobilized activists who are standing up for the right of every American to a fair criminal justice system, uncorrupted and unfettered access to the ballot box, sustainable jobs with a living wage, and equitable public education. They've partnered with groups and individuals across a large spectrum. To give you an idea of the kinds of partners they've gathered, we have an item from the WGM-TV from Augusta, Maine, from September the 6th. A rabbi and pastor have joined hands in this journey for justice. Rabbi Erica Ash and Pastor Eric Karras will walk one of the final legs of more than 20 miles to Washington on Wednesday. They hope that others will join hands just like them, despite a different religion or race. They feel the country still has a long way to go in terms of racism. Rabbi Ash has said, the issue of race has really come down to the forefront of lives in America. We've seen what's been going on and police videos of violence against African Americans. And it's been going on a while, but it's something we're just starting to address. Pastor Karras has said, there's a need to bring social injustices to light. And it's a good way to put feet on the ground to make a difference. Absolutely. This is another interrevolutionary story that people are waking up. And it's another interesting 
contrast to the past. Because, see, we've been saying that there's something new happening on the planet, that there is some hope that I haven't had before. And wait till you hear the, the last story that we have about the climate. Oh, wow. But anyway, uh, which, of course, is right up the alley of our guest. But see here... 60 years ago, what were the scenes that we were seeing in the civil rights marches? People being beaten and clubbed and, you know, hosed and, (laughs) you know what I mean? And now we have people from all over coming together to support what needs to be dealt with. You know, the Voting Rights Act uh, is so important that we're taking people's votes away. So um, I love this story, too. It shows you that despite everything negative that is going on in our country today and so much vicious hate talk, that there is still a spirit and a growing spirit in, in people that we are one and we have to take care of each other's rights or we lose our own. And our final story, James? Yes, this from New York Magazine, uh, September the 7th. The sunniest climate change story you've ever read. <laughs> This is the year humans finally got serious about saving themselves (laughs) from themselves. There are now two revolutions underway, political and technological, whereby real climate change is truly achievable. The plummeting financial cost of renewable energy has decreased the political cost for leaders of the developed and developing worlds. In the agreement between the U.S. and China this year, the respective leaders of the developed and the developing worlds has set a template whose particulars can be strengthened over time. This sets the stage for the Paris talks of the world leaders in December to achieve agreements that work for cutting back climate changes. Encouraging points. The price of solar power has fallen in two decades from nearly $10 a watt to just 50 cents a watt. It's now a cheaper energy source than coal. China has made colossal investments in green energy. For example, it plans to increase its solar energy capacity this year alone by 18 gigawatts, as much solar energy capacity as exists in its entirety in the U.S. right now. Apparently, there is consensus about the reality of climate change around the world and the need to take immediate action in all of the countries of the world except the U.S. (laughs) Go figure. Anybody notice that? Really? (laughs) Some say that the world is racing to decarbonize before the Republican Party can regain power over the U.S. At some point, perhaps only a few years from now, decarbonization will have gained irreversible momentum, strengthening the economic power of the green energy lobby and weakening the power of the fossil fuel lobby. If the Paris talks succeed, perhaps the world will have acted fully and promptly enough to limit climate change before it's too late. Well, don't you love that story? So this is such a great introduction to our kid warrior, Shutescott Martinez, who uh, is one of the reasons that the consciousness is turning around. Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio, Shutescott. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be a part of this, and I'm very, very excited to be answering your questions and just to be a part of a really awesome intergenerational dialogue. <laughs> yeah, intergenerational. <laughs> well, young man, I can remember being 15. <laughs> Notwithstanding the fact that I'm 70, I actually remember being 15, and I remember how helpless I felt. You know, it was back in the Stone Age, <laughs> very, very conservative times. There was zero support. I mean, 
there was no Facebook, right? There was no internet. There were no cell phones. You stood up and you spoke up for something. I was expelled from school. Uh, you know, I was beat up. I was arrested. There was no protest. There was no, no nothing. And I see you and what you're able to achieve. And it is so exciting to me to see the consciousness of young people, but also to see that the world has changed and it is welcoming your consciousness. Are you, what kind of reception is your message getting out there, both in the U.S. and in the world? Well, um, kind of a, during my introduction, he introduced um, that I had different, so I'm the youth director of an organization called Earth Guardians. And yes. in my introduction, um, you said that I have 20, uh, I'm working with young people in 25 countries, but it's actually expanded to over 50 countries now. Oh, really? I took it straight off your website. You're <laughs> oh, we got to update it then. That's you got to fix that. Oh my God, 50 we, countries? We have over um, 200 different Earth Guardian groups in the world, over 250 different groups in the world right now. Hundreds of thousands of young people engaged. Um, we just received uh, close to another 100 um, requests to start Earth Guardian groups in communities around the world. Um, so it's pretty interesting because this kind of started as, well, there, there's there's an amazing history behind Earth Guardians that you know we can talk a little bit more oh, about later. But basically, kind of this wave of Earth Guardians started out as... Um, you know, my me and a group of my friends working on local issues like pesticides and coal ash. You know, just um, like like fifteen of us. You know, and then all of a sudden, and that uh, was in Boulder. Just yeah, in Boulder, Colorado, and it was just you know I was younger and, and it wasn't this whole plan to build a global movement, um, and kind of through the media and social media, more and more people started to find out about who we are and what we were doing, and now we kind of have a um, are trying to manage this this explosion of of young people all over the world that are are looking, that are striving to find a way to connect, you know, because so many young people, especially teenagers, are so lost. I see oh. that all the time, just with my friends, you know, just with the people yeah. that I go to school with, they're so lost. And so finding ways to plug in their creativity and their passion and trying to find ways that they can fit in, um, but at the same time make a positive difference in the world. So that's really what we're all about. And it's pretty amazing to see how inspired and empowered young people are once they see that it is possible to change the world. I am so blown away. I am so blown away by the, the, the growth. Now, you were just saying something very interesting that so many of the kids are lost. So you're not talking about kids who are necessarily thinking about, oh, climate change, but you're talking about kids in general who don't have any sense of direction. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just see a lot of, a lot of well, also around climate change too, a lot of kids are just hopeless. Um, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the issue of climate change is a very, very huge problem that, when we look at it, it's a lot of great challenges that we face. Um, it seems kind of too big of a problem to ever do anything about is what a lot yeah. of kids feel. A lot yeah. of kids don't care. A lot of kids don't know. You know, they see the problem. They want to do something about it, but they don't know how they can make a difference, you know. So yeah. seeing all the pieces, inspiring them, showing them that this problem is real, that it's important, that we have to take action, then showing them that we have the power to take action and giving them the tools that they need to become stewards of their future and really change agents and um, make huge differences on the planet like like it's very possible and it's happening already all over the world. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I find is, is because we've had a lot of shows on climate change, um, is that it's not just kids who feel overwhelmed. It's everybody, yeah. you know. This yeah. is... This is a very inspiring message for all of us, for the adults, too. It's like, what are we giving up for? We have, it's like in that story that James was sharing with us on the news of the inner revolution. We have the technology. 
and we have the we have the support. We can do something. Why are we sitting around moaning and groaning? <laughs> and one of the things that I'd like to ask you is: Have you found a difference in the response from Americans and people around the world, or are you finding the same kind of response everywhere? Um, I'd say, well, it's. I think it depends. I think. Our reach is huge in the United States. You know, I've had two features in the Rolling Stone magazine. Um, you know, we just have a lot of really amazing connections with people that, of high influence and just that can really help get our message out there, which mm-hmm. has helped us engage people all around the country. And um, globally, kind of what sparked the Global Earth Guardian movement was my traveling, which I'm also, um, you know, I, I'll go all around the world speaking at different um, engagements and talking about this movement, talking about the rise of this movement, why it's important and what's happening with it. Um, and so kind of looking at that and seeing how when I enter different communities, the, the youth peop- the youth that kind of hear me talk and, and they, they are there present for my speeches and for me and my brother's performances as artists, they are really inspired and empowered to take action from there, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we started one of the first global earth guarding crews in Australia when we went down there to perform at, a, at an event down there. And the kids were so on fire. We worked on music together. Um, it was pretty incredible to see how young people are rising up when they see that flickering like, little bit of hope, you know, that there's yeah. a chance to do something about it. Oh, well, I so understand that. You know, when I was your age, what we were facing was the nuclear threat, the nuclear proliferation everybody was being told to get under their desk to uh-huh. <laughs> I mean seriously I don't know if you know this but we we had these drills like if an atom bomb dropped we were supposed to get under our desk and we had to <laughs> actually I'm not kidding we had to practice that just in case you know it was insane and uh you know people it was so hard even to speak up and it was hard for people to reach one another and talk about this but we had the same kind of oh my god the world is coming to an end feeling but now yeah. it re- we're actually seeing the world come to an end it's not like it's a threat <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's this far you know what i'm saying it, yeah. so much has has already happened well we have to take a commercial break but when we come back, I'd like to know a little bit about your personal history, how you got involved at such a young age. So everybody, hold on to your seats. Stick around. There's lots more to come. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Transform yourself and your world. Check out Beth Green's online community, theinnerrevolution.org, where you'll find effective support to become the person you really are. Find a variety of activities, including men's, women's, and family groups, low-fee counseling, workshops, events, and free support. Subscribe to our newsletter and receive a free PDF of Beth's book, Living with Reality. Meet a group dedicated to galvanizing the inner revolution sweeping our world, all at www.theinnerrevolution.org. I'm Beth Green, and I want to help you revolutionize yourself and our world. Take advantage of my powerful intuition in a private consultation that will amaze you. Discover my five books, three CDs of original music, School of Intuitive Counseling, upcoming workshops, trainings, and community. Sign up for my newsletter and get a free PDF of my book, Living with Reality. 
Tune into Interrevolutionary TV, my channel on voiceamerica.tv. Find this and more at my website, theinnerrevolution.org. Be part of the inner revolution sweeping the planet. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio with Beth Green on the Voice America Variety Channel. And now, also enjoy Beth's channel, Interrevolutionary TV, on voiceamerica.tv. See inspiring videos about our guests and the inner revolution. Hear commentaries that will help clarify our time. And watch interviews of people who will matter to you. Think outside the box. Watch Interrevolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Interrevolutionary Radio with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Interrevolutionary Radio. Hi, welcome back to Interrevolutionary Radio. We are interviewing Schuster Scott Martinez or Tonyatu. I've seen different names, but it's the same guy. And his name, the, the name starts with an X. So if you are like trying to Google this kid, it's X-I-U-H-T-E-Z-C-A-T-L. Also on our uh, Voice America page, we have a biography of him that has his website, earthguardian.org, right? Yes. Um, okay, so you can just go there. If you can't spell his name, you'll find it. So first I'd like to, before we get into anything further, I would like to find out how you got so involved. What kind of family background did you have? Did that play a role in your becoming an activist at such an early age? Yeah, it. I mean, it definitely did. Um, just kind of, not so much like the influence from my parents, you know, they, they never like pushed me into this or wanted me to even, you know, get involved in this, but just very supportive. Yeah. It was just the perfect balance because that. Like I see parents sometimes too, and like, um, it's it's like it's that balance between you know having um, you know telling your kid to get involved in something that they don't want to do, which will yeah. often rebel, but at the same time you know just like making them aware about the issues and just the way that I was raised by my father in the um, in the Aztec tradition, you know, just a lot of awareness around um, just my connection to the world, just my connection to, to kind of this planet and, and my responsibility as, as, as a person on this earth to be a caretaker of the land. And um, Wait, so, Could you hold on for a second? So you say that your father has an Aztec background. Is he from Mexico or is he City. from up here? Or He's from Mexico City. He's from Mexico City. So he, and then he came to the United States? Yes. Okay, so, and is that where he met your mother? Yep, in San Francisco when he was 17. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> anyway, okay, so he already had this connection himself, this to-the-land connection. What about your mom? Um, my mom, yeah, also my mom was so down-to-earth. Like, I learned things from my mom that most kids, like, strive to, like, find out throughout their lives, like, enlightening kind of stuff. Just, like, you know, very, like, very just simple teachings that, you know, are very practical but aren't taught to kids these days, like, you know, we choose our realities or like, you know, I don't know, just like every decision that we make is a vote for or against our future. Just those kind of things that I was learning, like simultaneously to learning how to walk, you know, mm-hmm. so very supportive kind of like upbringing. 
that kind yeah. of allowed me to gave me the kind of the support system that I needed to be able to go on and um, really follow follow my passion and pursue the things that I love. I love that. I love that. So what awakened you? Was it just that that feeling that you had about the earth and then you started seeing and learning things when you were six or was there something in particular that happened that sort of turned you on? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched this documentary called The 11th Hour which really kind of drove me. Mm. This was one of the larger kind of educational pieces that got me into this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was um, kind of just seeing that the, that the world was collapsing in that movie. That was, you know, what I saw. Mm-hmm. When it kind of showed that the, the world was kind of falling apart. Um mm-hmm. And I connected to that, to like that movie as like my world, you know? Yes. My land, you know, this is my home and, and we were, we were destroying it and yes. as a responsibility to do something about it as, as a, as a human on this planet. Right. Right. And you know, you didn't uh, give up, you got into action. Yeah. Yeah. From there, from there. Yeah. It was like, you know, I looked at, I looked at myself in the mirror or I, I don't know. I just, I kind of like asked myself, you know, what am I going to do about it? And I, I decided that I couldn't not act, you know, I, mm-hmm. there was really no part of me that could stand to not take action, you know. I totally understand that. I really do. And, um, you know, I, this is going to sound ridiculous to you, but I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. And I'll tell you why, because I saw your, the film Kid Warrior, and I thought, that I saw you like talking about, you know, your childhood, and it's not quite the same, and you're losing it and all of I envy you. I envy you because it was, you know, when I was a kid, there was no support. And in fact, uh, when I got expelled from college for, you know, when I was 16, um, there was no protest. I got no hearing. <laughs> there was yes. nothing. And my, when I got back to my parents' house, they hid me in the house because they were so embarrassed about what the neighbors would think. No. So. <laughs> Yeah, and so I tell you, when I see that, I think, oh my God, because what you're talking about is something that all kids need. I mean, I'm not just like trying to sob about myself. I don't mean it that way. I'm saying that all kids, all people need support for that flame that's inside them, because I actually believe that inside every one of us when we're children is a flame that we feel oneness with other people, that we care about animals, that we care about, you know, the oppressed, that we care about our planet, uh, and that we have that. And most people never get developed. They don't either have the internal strength to develop it themselves or they don't have the support to develop it. And then that energy goes elsewhere. And if, if more and more people could have that feeling, that initial love, connection that they feel yeah. with others you know what i mean yes yeah i think that's such a fundamental like part of being an act you know being an activist you're not even being an activist but caring about the planet it's just like that sense of connection to the earth that like so many people are missing you know it's like, yeah and connection to each other and yeah. connection to yeah. themselves for that matter so you had a positive experience in boulder how did that lead you to this amazing international movement what were the steps it was pretty organic. All of this has been ridiculously organic. Like we've been running the last what nine years of me being a part of this with like zero financial support. With like <laughs> my mom working full time for the last twenty years on this um, 
were hardly gaining a dollar, you know, single parent raising three kids and, you know, half the time taking care of three grandkids. So it was like, it's not like, you know, it's not like we had a lot of support making it happen, you know? Oh, it's wow. Was your mother helping you run the organization all this time? She's, she's back. She does all the back behind the scenes work. Yeah. That, yeah. That is often goes on scene. So she, honestly, none of this would happen if it weren't for her. So oh, my. I owe all of it to her, honestly. Um, yeah. She's, she just, yeah, I mean, she's been passionate about it forever. You know, it's never been about anything but protecting the planet for future generations, you know. And so just one thing kind of led to another. That's really how it was. I mean, one, as things fell in place, like I started traveling, I was invited to speak internationally, to speak at the United Nations in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 2012. Um, and now how did they even know you existed? Well, uh, YouTube, social media. Um, wow. You know, looking for young delegates that were doing good things and they found my they found my name. Oh wow. That's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel like there is a turning point right now? For instance, you know how water is boiling, you've got the flame on and it just it's cooking and it's cooking, but nothing really happens and all of a sudden it turns to steam. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Are you feeling that now that everything is all of a sudden is, is taking uh, a qualitative leap forward? It really is. I mean, more than ever before. Like, and the reason behind it is that never before in human history have we been in such a crappy point in time as far as the state of our planet. Like, our state of our, the state of the planet is worse off now than it ever has been. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Our forests are disappearing. Our species are disappearing. This was all happening, you know, 10 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But now at a rate that is unfathomable then, unfathomable then. You know, we thought that things were bad in 2012. Like, 2015, this is the most intense year we've had as far as climate destruction. And um, everywhere around the world, we're seeing more and more ridiculous kind of extremes of of what climate change is pushing the world to the edge to setting climate change aside whether you believe in that or not you know the state of the planet is is crumbling you know we got we cannot deny that we are in an environmental crisis we're blowing apart our mountains to get the gold and the minerals inside we're we're drilling the ocean for oil you know it's it's an amazing feat of human destruction yes human madness (laughs) in that destruction in that sadness in that disconnect is what is fueling this movement we are yes. seeing this sense of despair, of hopelessness, and we are using our creativity to turn it into a movement that is igniting the passion in people's hearts all around the planet. And we don't have a choice but to act at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that, or you know, we're, there's no hope left for the future. We realize that now, more than ever, we have that opportunity. I really envy you, but then I, again, I don't, because what you're facing is something terrible. Mm. You know. Uh, there is such beauty on this planet and it's being destroyed. And sometimes I feel that despair too, that if I don't have rivers and streams and mountains and trees, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Oh my, I can feel the pain of young people wondering if they're going to see the beautiful things that we've seen and have gotten to enjoy. Mm. So it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic that we are having with this earth right now and it's hard to stay grounded in a time of such incredible change. Yeah. You know, human evolution is either ready to take an amazing leap right now, be able to kind of conquer every social norm that has led up to now. Like if you think everything that we've been taught, you know, the industrial revolution, everything from up from then on has been, you know, take as much as we can, right? Oh, um, yeah. I have an amazing song that I'm, I'm, I'm in the works of finishing up so we can record it and get it out to the world right now called TikTok that I'm 
Um, I wrote with my brother and um, and, my, and my sister and, and amazing vocalists are on this track. And there's just the the, the whole song is focused around the system, and it's called TikTok and about how we're running out of time, you know, and how time's an illusion, and we're all rushing to get to one place or another. So it's interesting. Well, you know, there it is. Uh, what I th- the way I see it is, it's the ego is just running amok on the planet. Oh, it so is. You know, it's like, it's, that's what the inner revolution is really about, is overcoming our egos in our homes, in our societies, in our economy. It's not just in the way that we treat the planet. It's in the way that we treat other people, other races, other religions, people in our own families, <laughs> one that's, another, our friends. I, yeah, I hear you. That disconnect is not only a planetary disconnect, but a disconnect from each other as people. It's like, it's such an intense, you know, our di- I, we are so disconnected from each other that, you know, we have crimes, you know, we have, you know, hatred and, 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 and poverty and, you know, all these kinds of terrible things are happening on our planet. which are all human rights issues that are, you know, very intense because of our disconnection from one another. And uh, Exactly. And that's what I'm spending my life trying to deal with. I mean... Uh, I love the the climate focus because, well, first of all, it's critical. Obviously, it's critical. And and it also encompasses everything because it brings up social justice issues. You know, it's like the poorest people are paying the highest price for this. And it's greed that is driving it all because now there's no reason for this. I mean, there really is no excuse. There was a time when people would say, oh, well, the Chinese will never do anything about it because they have to go through the same industrial revolution that we did. Well, no, as it happens, the Chinese are doing something about it, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of uh, you know, shaming to us, I have to say, who have uh, so many resources. But it's that that dog-eat-dog, competitive, ego-based mentality that we are brought up with that I think that you're really speaking to the broader issues of not just climate change, but consciousness altogether. Yes, I hear you. It's it's a combination of all of it, really. I think, like, we have to understand as a, as a people on this earth that all these issues are very connected. You know, all these issues are very connected. Exactly, exactly. And it all comes down to us and the way we think and the way we've been trained to think and and what we consider to be acceptable. Yeah. You know, the behavior that, you know, I call it mindless conformity to the things that are destroying us, Mm. to things that make no sense whatsoever. And it's very, very painful. So when you talk about the incredible opportunity and the incredible challenge, what we are facing is something that is so deep in our psyches that it, it astounds me that people are still arguing about whether or not there is climate change or, you know, human. But it's, it's a ridiculous question. And yet uh, it's really part of people not wanting to face up to we have to change from the inside out. Yes, Yes, it starts. I mean, it starts in our lives. You know, before we can do anything about the state of the planet, we got to start with the way we treat people and the way that we treat each other as people, as humans on this earth. You know, that's where it's got to start. Well, uh, you know, I'd like to ask you just a brief question about that before we go to break. Is now within your movement? See, in the in the movement where I when I was part of it, you know, in the Stone Age, <laughs> from you know, was, I was in the movement for many many years. There was so much polarization and anger and blaming and finger pointing and not to speak of drugs and <laughs> drug sex and not, not that I'm against rock and roll, but you know what I mean. And, uh, and so, um, you know, by the time anybody had been in the movement a long time, they were like 
I, I was I was a basket case. I had to finally, you know, I had a spiritual awakening in uh, nineteen in my mid thirties because I couldn't take it anymore. And I I'd love to know from you if you could speak candidly. You know, what are you seeing in the movement about people's egos and their relationship with each other? I'd love to hear about that from the perspective of a young person. But right now, we are going to take a commercial break. So stick around because if you want the answer to that question like I do, I don't know if you do want the answer to that question, but I really want to hear it. (laughs) You stick with us and uh, we'll be back with Shutesca Martinez. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Transform yourself and your world. Check out Beth Green's online community, theinnerrevolution.org, where you'll find effective support to become the person you really are. Find a variety of activities, including men's, women's, and family groups, low-fee counseling, workshops, events, and free support. Subscribe to our newsletter and receive a free PDF of Beth's book, Living with Reality. Meet a group dedicated to galvanizing the inner revolution sweeping our world, all at www.theinnerrevolution.org. I'm Beth Green, and I want to help you revolutionize yourself and our world. Take advantage of my powerful intuition in a private consultation that will amaze you. Discover my five books, three CDs of original music, School of Intuitive Counseling, upcoming workshops, trainings, and community. Sign up for my newsletter and get a free PDF of my book, Living with Reality. Tune into Inner Revolutionary TV, my channel on voiceamerica.tv. Find this and more at my website, theinnerrevolution.org. Be part of the inner revolution sweeping the planet. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green on the Voice America Variety Channel. And now, also enjoy Beth's channel, Inner Revolutionary TV, on voiceamerica.tv. See inspiring videos about our guests and the inner revolution. Hear commentaries that will help clarify our time. And watch interviews of people who will matter to you. Think outside the box. Watch Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're tuned in to Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Interrevolutionary Radio. Hello, welcome back to Interrevolutionary Radio. We are interviewing Shutescat Martinez. And I was just at, he is one of the most exciting young people I've ever met. Uh, he and his pals at the Earth Guardian, and they have a, a youth organization called Rising. You'll, you'll give it. Rising Youth for a Sustainable Earth, I think. Uh, you know, when you get old, you can't remember things. Um, and <laughs> they, are, they are organizing and rallying kids across the globe. It's now over 50 countries to deal with climate change, which is, of course, you know, the pressing problem of our times. And I was just asking him, what about the relationships in the organization 
and about, you know, the ego and the infighting and all of that stuff. What are we seeing? Are, th- are things different now than they were 50 years ago <laughs> when I was in the movement? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's still definitely that, like, that space where there's kind of intense dynamics at certain points in times in the movement. For yeah, the yeah. most part, like, okay, like the only problem that I see that is, the, is, is not a thing of, like, an intense, like, correlation – or if like people don't fight about it that much, but like the kind of the sense that you know, oh, this is this is my this is my project. You do your project. You know, I'm working on oceans. You're working on climate change. Uh, There's a sense of separation that is still like getting me. It's like, guys, what are we doing? You know, we're all still fighting for all you are. You know, what we are fighting for is to to pass on a better planet than the one we are living in currently. Like that's why we're here. You know. Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> but it sounds yeah, I, like it's not as bad as it used to be. People are waking up, though. They really are. It's it's definitely not not as bad as it was, as you're saying. Um, <laughs> so, what does the future look like in terms of the movement? It's got a long ways to go. Um, there is a sense of responsibility to keep it alive, for sure. Um, it's I don't know the future of the movement. I think it can really go anywhere. As, as long as it's going up, you know, it mm-hmm. it can go nowhere but forwards. Um, I really believe because as the problem has increased, the movement has risen up to to face it, to to join it, you know. And it's and it's um it's interesting to see how things are moving forward in that way. That is creating a lot of attention towards climate change, towards the climate movement. More and more people are hearing about it, are knowing about it. There's more stories of young people in the news taking mm-hmm. action and making a difference to change the world. Like, it's just becoming a thing, you know? Well, and tell us about that suit that you're engaged in suing the federal government, you and 20 other kids. Mm. So myself and youth from <sighs> all of the United States have filed a state, are filing a state and federal lawsuit Um we we filed state lawsuits in all fifty states, and now just recently filed this federal lawsuit against the Obama administration and the United States government. Um, it's um, it's a pretty amazing initiative to get young people involved in the legal system, and what we are demanding them to take action upon is um, we are demanding them to take action upon um, climate change. We are saying that we have an inalienable constitutional right to a healthy atmosphere as American citizens, mm-hmm. and they are they are um, they are defying that right by lacking by the lack of action on climate change. They are failing um, to protect our right to a healthy atmosphere because of their lack of action. Mm-hmm. We're demanding them to put climate recovery plans into place, massively reforest this country, and really kind of step up and do their job. We're just asking them to do their job, you know, not anything special because. When it comes to kind of the state of the planet and the existence of people on this earth, there's a lot at stake. You know, they've got to step up and do. Who, whose idea was this? Um, it's I'm working with an amazing team of lawyers called uh, from a group called Our Children's Trust um, or OCT. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they came up with well, they're using this ancient doctrine called the Public Trust Doctrine. Um, so they kind of came up with it, and, and I've been working with them the last like three or four years on these lawsuits, and it's been pretty pretty amazing, pretty successful. Gotten a ridiculous amount of attention as well, which is pretty cool to see. <laughs> well, it's it, this is a landmark case. Uh, oh, I think this is the first. Well, this is the first time it's been a federal suit. I think there have been right. 
state initiatives already. And, yeah, and there was kids, one in Washington that was successful with the governor there. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Kids have won. What a completely different view of kids. You know, it's hard enough for adults to feel. You know, the, you know the expression that we grew up with is you can't change City Hall. <laughs> but <laughs> now we're learning, was, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And, and not only can we, what, but we better. <laughs> so what kind of um, kids are you attracting, would you say, who are joining the movement? Are you able to reach um, kids in the U.S. and outside who are only like in the wealthy families or middle class families, or are you able to, you know, no, go? We have a lot of really amazing inner city groups too that are working with low income communities. We're like, I think one, we're trying to diversify the movement is one goal that we have, not mm-hmm. only through like the people that are involved, but not only through age and get more young people involved, but get more young people of color as well involved. Um, just bring out more diversity because this planet is so diverse. Yes. And if this problem is affecting every person on the planet, then we deserve to have every voice represented, you know? Yes. So that's definitely a big a big target of ours. Um it's trying to target a, just a broader audience. So we're seeing I think it's really mixed, like racially mixed, really economically mixed, you know. I'm from a low-income brown family in Boulder, Colorado, so mm-hmm. it's like it's um it's just pretty diverse so far, which is great. And um pulling in more diversity all the time. And is that true on the international stage, too, that you're able to get a diverse uh, group of kids? Yeah, yeah, internationally, too. We have kids from all over the place, all kinds of economic backgrounds. And um, I think diversity of talents as well is something that we really value. Um, and, like, this, their passion and using their passion in really good ways to be able to engage them, to take action upon all these great issues. You know, we're encouraging young people not to think of this as being an activist, but being whatever it is you're passionate about, whether you're a skateboarder, you're an artist, using those things that you would love to do and take them and change the world with that, you know? Yes, so you're not just encouraging people to deal with climate change. You're you're encouraging people to deal with the state of the world. State of the world and also use the things that we love to deal with climate change. You know, yeah. If you're a surfer and you're passionate about protecting the oceans, somehow use surfing to to take action. Whatever it is that, that you know inspires you to engage, like use those things to to take action. That's I think that's really smart. And uh, you know, you you really don't know somebody who gets involved with your organization today. Ten years from now, might be doing something that is completely different, but because of the experience that they've had, the experience learning how to organize, the experience of feeling empowered, just the movement experience, you never know where all of this is going to lead, do you? You really don't. I think it can really go anywhere and give young people that that opportunity and that gateway that they need to be able to change their world is so important. It sure is. So now tell us about the road to Paris. The road to Paris. I mean, there's so much momentum towards Paris that is just continuing to build. Like all the time we're hearing about more stories and more of this kind of these struggles that people are going through to build up to these really intense climate talks that are really going to have a huge impact on the decisions that are going to be made about the future. You know, this Paris is important. But I think we have to understand that there's more to this movement than Paris. There is a larger end goal. Paris is not the end goal. You know, Paris is going to be very important and very critical to this movement. And as far and, as and can you describe? I, hold on a second. Can you describe that for those of you who don't remember what we said before about the Paris uh, conference? Yeah, of course. Um, so we it's called the COP twenty one United Nations conference. 
where world leaders are coming together from all over the world to try to collectively come to an agreement on climate action. Um, and the so it's, it's, it's very important. It's ridiculously important. And it's, it's going to be another opportunity for the world to kind of come together and take action on climate change. They failed in the past. You know, they have a horrible track record. Yeah. The last 20 years of COP, of these COP COP conferences, um, there's been no movement for There's no been no binding agreements on climate change. So we're getting to a point in time where it's going to be too late soon. Um, but at the same time, I think we have to understand that this is not the end goal, that we have to build and plan through Paris. You know, If we get a really good climate plan at Paris, how are we going to actualize that? How are we going to take concrete steps in our own communities to move forward and actually implement the... the um, well, and how are we going to get our government to live up to that? Yes. You know, especially with so much climate denial, as you know, James was talking about in our news, the, the amount of, uh, of resistance to taking accountability for the climate in our country is unfathomable. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So even if uh, they make an agreement in Paris, you know, are we going to be able to hold our Congress and who knows who the president is going to be? It could be somebody who says there is no climate change. You know, and that's something that it's so important, the kind of work that you're doing, which is no matter, I mean, I think that's the counterbalance, which is, okay, we have Paris and God willing, we are going to get something out of that. But then we've got to keep the pressure up right here to make sure that, that we don't lose ground in our own country because the U.S. is such an important part of the world community, of the world economy, that we, we need to get on board. And so the things that you're doing, mobilizing people, kids, inspiring adults, you know, to keep up the pressure and not give up is what's going to create the political will that we need in order to make a difference. In one minute, can you tell me what kind of resistance or obstacles are you meeting? Well, I mean, as a nonprofit organization, funding and financial support is tough. Um, I think another thing that is really incredible is, is kind of all these different um, – this this team. We need a team to help man this movement. There's a movement of hundreds of thousands of young people rising up through Earth Guardians, and we need a team to work to manage that. So those are some of the biggest things we're facing. The fossil fuel industry is trying to silence our voices. Um, you know, a, a lot of big corporations are, don't like to, the, the message that we're spreading, so – we're getting some resistance. For, there's not a resistance, honestly, in our path. But um, it's uh, you know we we'll see we'll see where things go because there's always room for help. The biggest thing that we need from you, anybody that's listening to this, anybody that hears this, we need action from you because you know you can go ahead, you can listen to this, and then walk away and be like, oh, it's alright or whatever. But then what's going to make a difference in the planet is taking action and taking steps to make a difference in the world. I'm not going to tell you those steps. You can find them anywhere, but you need to get inspired, get empowered, get educated. And get involved. You know, Earth Guardians is an amazing tool to, to help make that happen. We've got a website, earthguardians.org. Um, so, I don't know, there's a lot of ways that you can take action as a listener. Yes, and bring this to kids. Let them hear about it. Are you looking for, when you, just one quick question. When you talk about a team, do you need adults to help manage this, or are you looking for other kids? No, no, no we need everybody. We need adults, elders, crippled people. We need, every, like, literally everybody. <laughs> You know, seriously, there's no, there's no, like, you know, separation of, of, of color of your skin or who you are, religious background or beliefs. You know, we're all in this for the same, for the same movement um, and the same message to really try to make a difference for our children. You know, there's no separation that, that holds us back from 
discluding anybody or any group. You know, we need everyone to help us take action. I love that. James, will you clue us in what we're doing next week, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. Yes. Next week, see the refugee crisis in Europe through a different lens. Hear former Ambassador Andres Shimoni. Barbed wire, dead children, desperate people flooding into Europe. This is what we are witnessing these days. It's heartbreaking and confusing. How can Europe cope? How can we help? Weren't we already observing mounting anti-immigrant sentiment in Europe, especially toward Muslims? How can Europe open its arms now? Who is, who isn't, and why? On this show, we are talking with a guest who can help us understand this complex situation and who can reframe these horrific events in a positive light. He is Andres Shimoni, former Hungarian ambassador to the U.S., managing director of the Center for Transatlantic Relations at Johns Hopkins University, a rock musician, and a believer in cultural diplomacy. He is very familiar with the situation in Europe, understands the migration, and is offering us deeper insight into what is happening and what is possible. Join us for an enlightening conversation that addresses our oneness while honoring common sense. Let's welcome his knowledge and awareness. And now, for a final word from Beth. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you, Tesco. What a delightful young man, and what an exciting time. And you know, the sad thing is that climate change, unchecked, is going to create a lot more humanitarian crises and situations of migrants. We haven't seen the beginning of it yet, of all the disruption uh, that is going to be taking place and is already taking place on our planet because of climate change. And we have to come together and do something. And we're so blessed to have people like Shutesgad and all the, all the Earth Guardians, young, old, and in between. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to talk to you, all of you. And Beth, it was an honor to be on this dialogue with you. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Thank you. And keep in touch with us. You I will do. Us Seriously, if you have any news on your end that you want us to report, you, we always have news of the inner revolution. Wonderful. Please stay in touch. Lots of love to you. Bleh. All right. We love you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.